0: As we continue to face COVID-19, we're now facing flu season. Influenza has the potential to infect millions, putting lives and the healthcare system at risk. Now more than ever, it's essential to protect yourself from influenza by getting the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is safe and effective and can't give you the flu. To protect yourself and those at highest risk, get your flu vaccine. Learn more at michigan.gov slash flu. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
2: welcome to performance anxiety on the pantheon podcast network i'm your host mark and before we get started i want to thank our sponsor akg for sending us their podcaster essentials kit it's got a great lira mic and a very comfortable set of headphones and if you're looking to start your own podcast this is a very economical way to get high quality gear Benjamin Wright joins us on this week's episode And I'm going to stay in touch with him Because in addition to being a musician He's a psychiatric nurse practitioner He's releasing his second album with his sister Amanda Under the name Benjamin Jane Benjamin lives in Vermont But Amanda lives in Barcelona Spain, not New York so the pandemic really didn't change how they wrote music. In fact, their first album was really just an exercise in the two of them staying in touch. But the new album is a step forward in every respect. Benjamin explains how his music is something he has to do, not something he wants to do. And being in psychiatry, he knows how important creative outlets are. Give them a follow on social media. All their links are on their website, benjaminjane.com. That. B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-J-A-Y-N-E dot com. And you can order their album there as well. Follow us at Performance ANX, rate and review the shows. We accept coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. And merch is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. And you know, sometimes a podcast is just a podcast, but not this time enjoy Benjamin Wright of Benjamin Jane on Performance Anxiety part of the Pantheon Podcast Network
0: cool you ready alright hi this is uh, Ben Wright from Benjamin Jane you're listening to Performance Anxiety and uh, we just got done talking about an upcoming release that we're putting out called Theater so uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast and I uh, hope you enjoy the music be well
2: oh man the yeah. just get one thing squared away here and
0: take your time man i'm literally just i'm just catching my breath from the uh from the day
2: oh man (laughs) no problem if you want to if you want to get a drink
0: or something i just got my i just pulled the tea off the stove man
2: oh nice nice all right Uh, so I, i appreciate you coming on and doing this thank you very much
0: yeah man thanks for having me
2: I swear, I don't know what's going on with the weather. It's just killing my throat today.
0: I literally, yeah, I just had a. a, a so I, I work in. A, anyway, I, I had a long day. I work at a hospital. I just, like, yeah. I, I raced home. I got my kids to sleep, and my throat was feeling the same way. So I threw in a lozenge, yep. made tea, and then the phone rang. So I'm with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Catalyst, we have good timing today. Yeah, yeah. Today, anyway. I don't know. If I have any other time, but. So, what I like to do is kind of start from the beginning. Find out how you got to where you are now with the the new album coming out. So, the the band Benjamin Jane is yeah. you and your sister. Yeah. How early on were you guys getting into music? How how old were you? Was there a lot of music in the house, or did you start playing instruments at a young age?
0: Uh, yeah, all of the above. Um, so my. Well, i mean i'll just i kind of take it to the you know my grandfather was a trombone player in a traveling big band back in the day oh cool yeah my dad was a pretty good guitarist and vocalist and played in um some bands that toured when he was in college and oh. they did a couple records my mom she's a pretty good pianist um so we always had a piano in the house um and she was a, a piano teacher also locally and oh, taught most of, her, most of us kids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was always around.
2: What music was really grabbing your attention early on?
0: <laughs> well, it depends on what early on means. Um, <laughs> What's the first thing you
2: remember thinking, this is awesome. I, I've, I've got to get this album.
0: Well, I think it was, we already had it. You know, some of the youngest is six. Okay. kids oh wow yes yeah, so, i mean you know like if you're the youngest you're just taking in whatever's above you
2: right right
0: and uh so the first, the earliest thing i remember really digging was uh prince's purple rain oh nice and i think you know i can't i was going to check my timeline on this one i i think i was four years old if that if that aligns with his release then then yeah i'm right uh, it was like around 1984
2: that yeah that's yeah i think that's when that yeah. came out yeah
0: yeah so that was the first record i remember like yeah, you know, four years old i remember sp- that spinning and just loving it
2: wow yeah that's that's a excellent taste for a four-year-old
0: <laughs> well yeah I mean, my first the first tape i ever bought um you know like i said if you have older siblings and and you cross your fingers that they have good taste and, yeah. and then you're in good luck yeah and then you're that's
2: yeah. <laughs> true I get a lot of uh, yeah my, my older brother was into Black Sabbath see I was the older brother so is that right yeah so I, I was the oldest uh, I have a younger brother and a younger sister and none of them really latched onto anything that I listened to because I was listening to Zeppelin and Sabbath and all my brother just decided. Yeah, my my brother was all like, "I'm just gonna listen to 50s and 60s like wop and stuff," and he's that's that's what he's still into to this day. Is that right? And my sister's just, I think the only thing she listens to is Brian Adams. (laughs) I think that's the only artist she listens to.
0: Hey, man, you know whatever works for you. Yeah, you know, I mean they're all they're all solid. You know, oh yeah. (laughs) So I mean, I think some consider Black Sabbath to be in you know one of their records to be the top ten uh, rock records. I was just watching something on some of these top, top lists. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it all works. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, it all, um, it all informs your, uh, the music that you create now.
0: Yeah, for sure. So- I, um, uh, I was going to say the first record I bought though, you know, the Prince was just spinning in the room next to me. So that's what I, you know, that's the first thing I ever hear. And yeah, but the first record, the first tape I bought was, um, it bought you know, it was with my allowance money was uh, the cure is standing on the beach. Oh, wow Yeah That's a man
2: another excellent choice.
0: Yeah, great one. Um, I was in And I think again memory serves me you're right. I think I was in like third or fourth grade um, So that would put like I don't know 1987 or something I, I picked that up in 88 I picked that up Wow, something like that I picked it up, right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's like the story I've I've told on the podcast a few times is that uh, the first album that I bought, my mom gave me a couple bucks and uh, we were in like a, I was living in New Jersey. So we we were in this, uh, it was like a version of a local version of Target or something. Yeah. And they had a a music section with records and tapes and all. And my mom's like, here's... I don't know five six bucks or something go why don't you go buy a, a cassette like, awesome so i run out i'm probably 11 10 or 11 yeah i would say says probably 10 cause i think it was 83 okay and um i go out to the to the music section and i can't decide so i pull these two tapes out and because i'm kind of familiar with both of these bands i go to my mom like i don't know which one to get which one should i get and one's quiet riot metal health and the other is van halen 1984
0: did she go with van halen
2: yes she did she's like (laughs) i don't like this one with this weird dude in the mask she's like that looks too that that doesn't look very good take the one with the little angel smoking that one's okay Right. right so that's that was the first thing i had to remember buying with with money that well i guess with money that was given to me so
0: yeah yeah but you know that was your money
2: yeah yeah it was my money <laughs> it was my decision the first yep. one i decided well kind of i had two i'm still that way it's like yeah, oh what do i get this or this
0: you were throwing th- into those old uh, the old yellow walkmans if you remember those things, yes <laughs> yeah
2: with those cheap headphones
0: yeah oh my god I felt like I was, yeah. I thought I was an adult, you know. Yeah. My own Cure tape and my own Walkman—it's killing it.
2: <laughs> That's right, and it was always <laughs> the volume was all the way, always all the way up. Right. So, when did you start playing music on your own, like uh, in bands and out with other people?
0: Uh, in bands, which, let's see. I guess the first band I was in—I think I was probably like. 13 uh and it was a punk rock band Oh cool. Um yeah, it didn't last long and we didn't yeah, you know, well yeah, I, mean, I was 13. Uh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I don't remember recall. I don't even know if we had a name, but we were you know, my my mom let us play in the basement and uh we probably played together for six months, maybe a year. Wow. Um and I was doing the guitar and and then uh I think it was just guitar, bass and drums. And a bit of screaming that didn't make much sense. But, you know, it's, that was the first go.
2: <laughs> You're the best parents. Jeez.
0: <laughs> well, I, I had a, uh my, my my mom was... Uh, she was a single mother raising six kids. So, uh, you know, it's wow. a bit of a latchkey situation going on there, you know?
2: Jeez. Oh, God bless her. My
0: gosh. Yeah, no, she was... She's, she's great. I mean, she... She raised six kids. She worked two jobs and went to school at nights and got a degree in teaching. And yeah, I mean, she killed it. She was, uh, she was great.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And so you're 13 years old playing in punk bands, but you started off playing
0: piano though. Yeah. First instrument was definitely piano.
2: Okay. So when did, when did you switch to guitar? I mean, uh, was it around 13 or did you always have an interest in guitar? Even playing piano?
0: Uh, No, I mean, I, I moved through all kinds of instruments. Um, we had a lot of instruments in the house uh, over the years. To so start on the piano, just because she was a teacher, we had one in the house, and it was easy, and I dug it. And and then fourth grade, I think it was in elementary school, you're you're allowed to pick your first instrument. Oh, cool. Um, and I picked the snare drum, and that didn't last long. I don't know if that was me or my mom. Probably me, because she let you know she was pretty cool about things. Yeah. Uh, then I moved over to my to the saxophone. So that was the second instrument. Wow. Uh, like real instrument where I got into, I took lessons and I was in the you know, concert band and all that stuff. Oh, okay. I knew my dad played, but he hadn't played since he was a kid. So he had a couple guitars around. He, he pulled out like once a year. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I had an interest in it because he's my dad and he was playing. And he was, and he was good, but uh, it was really probably my mom married the music teacher at the school that she was teaching at. Oh, wow. And he was um, a big blues artist. Uh, and he played out like a couple days a week, uh, outside of teaching at school. Nice. And he gave me, he, he sat me down and taught me a couple blues. Well, he, he said, if you can learn these blues riffs, then I'll give you a guitar. Wow. And, uh, and awesome. So I learned the blues riffs and he, uh, he gave me, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but the old silver tone like uh, guitars yeah. that were like, they came in a box that also had the amp that was built into the box, into the, the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I remember first, Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first guitar. And he, awesome. he moved in when I was in sixth grade. So that would have been sixth grade. I I got the, uh, my first, really got my first guitar and started getting into it.
2: Okay. Okay. So then it's, it's pretty soon after a couple of years after that, you started playing out with, with your buddies and all. And yeah, At what point did you really want to start studying it? Because you actually went to Berkeley. Yeah. When did you decide that was something that you really wanted to take more seriously?
0: Uh, I I, kind of, well, I mean, it was always like my main passion, one of my main passions. And, you know, I played in concert band from fourth grade through until I left public school. Uh, And I was in jazz band. I took the the guitar I was able to, to play in the jazz band. So that you know, that was great, um, and I was playing in multiple bands in high school. So I, I really enjoyed it, and so I knew that I wanted to do something with it. And of course, when you're fifteen, seventeen years years old, you know you you're, you have fantasies that are you know beyond ridiculous. Right. And, <laughs> so you know, so of course, I thought I was going to be the next Jim Morrison or Kurt Cobain at that point. You know, that was my goal. Is I want to be a rock star. Of course, oh, when I was a teenager. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, but what as far as Berkeley. That was kind of, I kind of bagged myself into a corner a bit because I didn't like like public school very much. I was a great student up until eighth grade, I guess. And then I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of fell out of favor with it. And um, as part of the grunge scene, I was a skateboarder. I I stopped going to school for a bit. I was a bit of a pain in the neck. (laughs) And uh, I pulled my act together for 10th grade and 11th grade. I was like, I just, I'm not into public school and um my sister was going my she's my she's the youngest sister but so she's three years older than me but she's the youngest of the girls okay she was going to she was going to like an alternative kind of hippie farm arts music school okay and i really wanted to go my mom didn't want me to go but i was like listen this isn't working for me she's still the me to go and I, I i just stopped going to school and basically my school the public school is like you know what you know you're to my mom and to me she's like they basically said, you're, you can get in trouble for him being truant and you, you got to do something. To wow. it with this kid. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, um, I kind of forced her hand on that one. I, you know, looking back you know, again, I was a kind of a pain in the neck kid, uh, but I was able to go to this art music school and that was, you know, that, I think mean, you know, that saved me cause I just wasn't, I just wasn't into the traditional curriculum. So I was really, really engrossed in, in music and art. Um, uh, especially with that school and all the all the kids there were super into music, so it became a pretty serious thing. And I'd say that probably around eleventh grade, I really started digging hard on it.
2: How did you choose film scoring and jazz at Berkeley? Was that something that that was always interesting to you, or did it was it more like you know I can actually make a, maybe make a career out of this instead of majoring in I don't know guitar?
0: If you're going for jazz, you're essentially majoring in the instrument that you that you. Are playing jazz on so you have to okay. pick a principal instrument and my instrument was guitar so um that was my initial major when i applied and then i was always really big into film okay and when i when i got there i realized i kind of started to realize that that was an opportunity and i could do a, a dual major oh um so i started to do classes in both Oh, cool! So the goal was, yeah, I could. I guess the goal was really maybe film scoring could be a backup, but I mean that's a terrible backup because they're both like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
2: I, I know what you mean. I majored in photography, so,
0: so yeah, there I, I you know go. what you
2: mean. So <laughs> I didn't have a dual major. I was it. I'm not a. I'm not a professional photographer anymore.
0: So Were you at one time?
2: Yeah, for about a decade. Nice. So that nice. was. Yeah, it was fun. Then my, my wife and I started a family, and uh, we decided I needed something with a more with a more stable income. And uh, see, when we started having kids, she wanted to stay home with them, and yeah. uh, she had all the insurance for her. Just she worked at a bank, and uh, I was out, you know, doing my photography thing. We lived in like Southeast Alabama at the time, so we uh, she wanted, you know, it, it, it was a little cheaper to live than just outside of DC where I am now. Sure but, yeah yeah. But I still needed a steady income and uh so I got into uh sales. So and that was then I, so then I just kind of started doing photography as a hobby and it was actually yeah. really good cuz I was getting really burnt out on doing this stuff that I was doing.
0: So Yeah, this is yeah, I mean this this is where our stories sound like they're aligning a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure, yeah.
2: So what was happening uh, after you, you after Berkeley?
0: Oh well I mean oh, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of stops along the way. But, <laughs>
2: so did did uh, you actually start work after after Berkeley? Did you start working in film scoring?
0: No, I didn't finish. Um oh, okay. Yeah, I mean I did it three semesters.
2: Yeah, it sounds sounds like we're converging because I never I didn't finish uh photo didn't like, yeah. get my photo degree either. <laughs>
0: um it was you know, Berkeley was uh I mean I mean it's expensive and uh yeah. I uh I ran out of the ability to fund my education going into my fourth semester, and actually um yeah i um, wasn't able to afford my 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 apartment anymore and was and I actually spent the last two months couch surfing and finished the semester and and then uh had to leave I wasn't on merits i mean my I, I did well uh academically and yeah and uh and with the instrument, but i just I couldn't afford it, so.
2: yeah, oh god, Dude, you know I don't know okay, so maybe you can even shed a little bit of light on this for me and and others when i i went to rochester institute of technology for photography and this was back in 91 i went so it digital was just in its infancy so there weren't even really classes in digital photography so every class you had to buy film you had to buy paper the only thing that was provided for you although you you know you did have to pay a an exorbitant amount in tuition The only thing that you didn't have to buy on your own were the chemicals, but any film, any paper, cameras, lenses, and any of the uh, stuff that you needed to develop film, you know, and any of the actual equipment you had to either buy or you could rent it for like a couple hours at a time. But yeah, that was hard because... Other kids are doing the same thing, you know. There's you know ten thousand kids at this place in the same major, yeah. and they're all trying to get the same equipment you are. So it's better to buy your own, but it's expensive because you're having to buy all this stuff. What yeah. What's it like at a at a music school? Is I imagine, you no, know, tuitions first of all expensive, especially in California. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, we were in Boston. Oh, the
2: Boston, Boston, Berkeley. That's I'm I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. uh
0: What's Berkeley, one? you were thinking about Berkeley, uh, UC Berkeley. Yeah. 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 This is a uh, Berkeley college of music in Boston. Okay. Yep. So,
2: so what, what kind of, uh, I guess what's involved in, in being a music major of any type? Uh, <laughs> I know that's kind of a um, vague open-ended question, but
0: yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I mean, it depends on what you're going there for. Um, uh, you certainly, if, you, if you're playing an instrument, you need to, you need to be able to, ha- you know, you need to have an instrument. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to provide you with one, except unless you play, if you play the piano, then they have all these practice rooms that have pianos that you can rent space, you rent time out to use. Um, right. but everything else, I mean, you gotta, yeah. So you gotta pay for instruments. Um,
2: and have have yet to find a cheap instrument of any kind.
0: Yeah, no, that's sorry. My cat is trying to, uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no worries, <origin. laughs> man.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a little break out in the garage.
2: <laughs> you know, I, that's one thing I always end up worrying about because my dog is roaming around the house too. And anything goes by, the, anything goes slowly by the the uh, window, he goes nuts. Barks. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, he's insane. He's like he's half Australian Shepherd, half Boxer, and so. Oh, and he just walked by. He's, he's, and he's staring <laughs> he out the window. He heard me. He's staring out the window right now looking for something yeah. to bark at. So he's, he's like 85 pounds. So he's got a good,
0: healthy bark on him. No, I see. I used to have a, we had a burner. Our last dog, a Bernie's pound dog. She was 120. Oh, wow. Those are beautiful. Thankfully. She, yeah. Thankfully she wasn't a barker, but man, when she did, it was, whew, yeah, it was deep. And yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But back to your, to the question. Yeah. I mean, really, you got to pay for the instruments. They're expensive. Then tuition and room and board is expensive. Uh, oh, but yeah. really, really it's, it doesn't, I don't think it's as the cumulative kind of like the repetitive purchases. I'm not sure if there is often and as much as what you might've dealt with. You know, we had yeah. to buy, you know, for me, I had to buy strings is you know, every week or two at the oh gig. Yeah. Not yeah. The strings They're six, seven bucks. so It's not a big deal. But, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, recording equipment they would provide for you. My roommate was a music, well, my first roommate was a musical engineer. Um, so they had, you know, if you're doing that, uh, they had all the, you know, keyboards and the software and the computers and all that stuff for you to learn on. So they provided a lot of stuff.
2: But it's just tuition alone, artistic, creative colleges like that. There's just the tuition there. seems to be a lot higher than if you're going to liberal arts colleges for some reason, Sure, unless
0: yeah. you're going to Ivy league. Well nowadays they all seem to be kind of a, a lot of them seem to be aligning as just <laughs> stupidly expensive but yeah. yeah back then I think that Berkeley was certainly um one of the more ex- yeah I mean it seemed to be one of the more expensive colleges um, oh, sure. that I was looking at yeah So but great experience man I mean being exposed to some really significant intense players um and you know being able to uh, yeah I mean some of those have gone on to do some pretty significant things um, which is, it's just, it was a cool opportunity to see all that creativity and be a part of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, my dog is growling right now. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm about to start yelling his name here and it's like, I'm going to, damn, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> Hammond, knock it off. Now he's staring at me like I'm an asshole.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Go get out of here. Go kitchen. Good boy. He knows that word.
0: Yeah, he wants some food now. Yeah, he'll be yeah. back.
2: <laughs> oh wait, he, he, he went halfway. Now he's just laying down. Like, uh, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after you left school, what what were you doing? Were you playing or were you working? What was going on?
0: Uh, I'm mean, gonna give you the kind of the, the cliff notes version. Yes, yeah, so I left, ended up going back to PSL. So I'm not. I didn't. You said Jersey growing up. I was in Pennsylvania, so we weren't too far away. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm back to Pennsylvania and started um, a band and played in Philadelphia for a couple of years.
2: Oh, nice. Um, I wasn't too far yeah. out of Philly. I was about an hour and twenty minutes out of Philly. Uh south, north? Uh almost due east of Philly. I was I was in uh, central Jersey, like uh, right on the edge of, of hundred and Somerset counties. So I was like an hour There's
0: there isn't a central Jersey, I heard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i man i've gotten into that discussion so many times in the past two weeks for some reason i don't know what's going on there must be some meme going on that i don't know about <laughs> but uh yeah I'm, i was almost like right in the middle of the state i'll, I'll put it that way <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. right in yeah, the yeah. middle
2: right on I spent, a good deal over
0: there. I spent a good deal um when i was 14, 15 I, I went on i followed the, the grateful dead um oh wow with some <laughs> with some friends of mine, and we ended up in Gla- uh, well, we ended up in Ocean City, Jersey, and, and just on the boardwalk at like three in the morning playing music with these strangers. And we ended up like becoming friends with them, and we are still <laughs> friends with them to this day. And they're from wow. Glassboro, Glassboro, New Jersey. Okay, so we spent a lot. Yeah, we- every summer we were down in Glassboro hanging out with these uh, these friends of ours. So we yeah, and I had family oh, that were down in Cape May Courthouse. So yeah, uh, it's a. Uh,
2: I was I was like like. The- 30 maybe less than 30 minutes from new brunswick okay so i was i was like in just a little over an hour to new york and about an hour and 15 hour and 20 to philly yeah so i was right in the middle once i got my license and
0: pretty good options oh yeah yeah.
2: (laughs) so you ended up becoming a psychiatric nurse practitioner yeah how did you go from music to psychiatric nurse practitioner
0: so this is where I was saying earlier that our story started to align a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I have, you know, I have a wife and I have kids, and you know, she wanted to be able to pay the bills. So
3: yeah. <laughs> What is it with uh, wives it and bills? <laughs>
0: Jeez. Uh, she's always been pretty supportive of the music, but you know, she certainly wanted to. And we both, you know, I mean, I, so I Philly was one stop along the way. I went back down to Pennsylvania, played in the band for a couple of years. And then moved out to L.A. for three years. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I've I've been around a bit um, before the school thing. Um, And, um, you know, my friends of mine, my brother was out there and some really close friends of mine from high school were in L.A. And um, I had just crashed a car in the middle of winter. It was like the first storm of the season. And I was like, I just it was I didn't taking it seriously enough. and I slid and totaled my car Like when I was 24. And so uh, not a lot of job you know, prospects uh, in rural Pennsylvania, and, and I didn't have enough cash really to get the car fixed. So by yeah. default, kind of once again, I was like, well, then, you know, to hell with it, I'm going to LA. Wow. My brother had a, a space for me to crash at, and he had his own business, and some of my really close friends from uh, elementary school and high school had their own business and they all, all offered me a job, so I went there and did like um, uh, event production work. They have a they have a company called the Do Lab. Um, okay. And it's like a basically now it's a festival. Uh, I mean, it basically, it, its core business is it it runs a festival called Lightning in a Bottle out in California. Oh wow. Um. And then we also, they, you know, we were also doing, before that really took off the lightning in the bottle, we were doing an installation at Coachella um, every year. Um, And then, like, we were also doing various uh, theater performances and um, installations at various uh, festivals. And so that's, I was kind of doing that for a few years and playing somewhat professionally, musically. um, Kind of music for hire out there a little bit. and, uh, the first year was you know, cool. It was novelty. I learned how to surf. It was California. It was fun. And I was doing a lot of production work and yeah. you know, in the scene and it was interesting. But after a few years, it just, um, uh, my wife, Jen was out there. Uh, she moved out there, uh, like a year after I did roughly. And, oh, cool. um, we both kind of just burned out on it and she got into grad school back in Boston. So she started grad school and I ended up going to Europe while she was in her first semester and to play some music with my sister and and some bands over in Europe. Oh wow. And then, and then ended up back in Boston with her. So it was kind of a circuitous route. And you know, we kind of went around, went around a bit. Yeah. Um, but with her grad school up in Boston, that's where I was, I was kind of hanging around while she was doing grad work. And I was like, you know what? I didn't, I only need a few classes to get an associates cause I had a whole bunch of classes from Berkeley. Um, I just needed to do some of those core classes. So I went and got an associates while she was doing her thing. And then it just snowballed. I got a scholarship, uh, to uh, University of Massachusetts. So I had to, you know, that was a no brainer. I didn't have to pay for it. So sure. I finished my bachelor's degree in psychology. And that was just, I don't know how you were in school. Like, well, I'm not sure how, how long you were there. But for me, it was just like, you get in there and you find out what's interesting, you know? Yeah. And um, before it was just the focus was music. And now I knew I had to get a different type of job. Yeah. So I was kind of going through cognitive science, psychology, considering medical school, um, I worked in a cognitive science lab doing like perception work on vision. Oh, wow. Um, so it was just a whole different uh, amalgamation of, of things that were related to science, health and and mental health. And and I got out thinking I was going to be a psychologist and I got a job at a local uh, inpatient psychiatric hospital. And in the first three weeks I was on the floor, I realized I had to go back to school and get a better, uh, get get more education because... A bachelor's degree in psychology at a psychiatric hospital gets you a, a position called like a mental health counselor or a mental health worker. Okay. Which is a really I mean, hats off to those those workers. I mean it's an incredibly difficult job and they do great work, but it is hard. Um I mean you're the you're on the floor with you're on the floor twenty four seven with those patients when they're you know, and there can be some very difficult acute patients and it's it's oh, very tiring. Sure. And it could be it could be dangerous at times. So I was like, this is I can't do this forever, so I, I immediately rolled enrolled back in school to study. Uh, my landlord was a nurse practitioner, a family a family nurse practitioner. Okay, I never really knew about it. And he's like, "Well, you like psychiatry, you like psychology, you like you know, you like medical world, you like um, kind of saw, like all the studies. Like you know, a psychiatric nurse practitioner kind of marries all that together. So he kind of turned me on to it, and um, so I immediately enrolled uh, at Mass General. They have a program, uh, Massachusetts General Hospital, uh, it's called MGH Institute of Health Profession. So I got my prereqs and just head first into that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a long, <laughs> a long, long <laughs> journey, man, I mean, it was, this is 22 to 35 that oh, I wow. discovered. So. Wow.
2: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. meanwhile your sister amanda is in spain yeah yeah and um so are you guys in touch very often at this point
0: we try to be but it's i mean that's the whole that was the whole and maybe you read some of our backstory on high low you said you were listening to that yeah um the whole backstory behind that why that happened was because she's been there since 1999 i think she i think she she, it was either her own saxophone or my saxophone or somebody's. I'm not quite sure who's, but I think she went, she like bought a pickup truck first in the States and traveled with like all these circuses playing music and doing circus stuff for a while and then sold the truck and went to Europe and with an accordion wow. and, and traveled all over Europe with an accordion in different bands. Oh my God. And yeah. And then she, she fell in love with Barcelona and with his, with her husband uh, who's from Italy and, She really hasn't, I mean, she's been back for vacations, but she's been there since 99. So connecting with somebody, you know, when they're in Barcelona and you're in the States, time differences, you know, back then for a while, their cost was prohibitive. You know, you didn't have WhatsApp or... God, yeah. yeah. So we kind of lost, you know, it's tough to keep in touch. So we were like, let's make a a record. And it forces us to check in like once every week or two and talk about, you know, what parts need to be done or, you know, lyrics, et cetera. And just since then, we've been... In pretty regular contact, I'd say every weekend or every other weekend.
2: Oh, well, that's that's awesome. So, so the whole point of, of the first album was just to really get you guys together again, just to sustain yeah, in contact. Yeah, we didn't.
0: We didn't have any plan of releasing the record at all. Wow. Yeah, we didn't. You know, we legit. You know, we, we were just like, let's make some. Literally, it was just let's just make music for the sake of talking, and it would, we had no expectations, and it just started to sound. I mean, it just. was sounding pretty good and we're like let's you know let's take it up a notch
2: it sounds amazing the 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 clarity of of everything instruments vocals everything i can't think of an album where tonally it sounds as clear as that album it's incredible everything is so bright even uh, okay so even when you when you have like some fuzz guitar like, like on cold parade
3: to keep to It just
2: yeah. it doesn't sound like a grungy. Distorted, you know, heavy guitar. It, it sounds like a clear fuzz. Appreciate it, man. Oh, it's incredible. I don't know how you guys engineered that, but i it's seriously, I can't think of, of any other album that kind that has that clarity. Nothing is coming huh. to mind.
0: Well, we appreciate the compliment, man. I mean, we we worked hard on it. We were, and we also, I, I can't leave out Drew. Ah, uh, Drew Skinner. Drew, yeah, yeah. 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 He was my first roommate and, um, he is a you know he went to school for engineering and um he is a professional sound designer currently oh wow so he was he played a you know he he was an integral- integral role in all that alongside of my sister and myself he you know he gets a lot of credit for for the uh the clarity on these things well
2: he learned something because it's really impressive I mean, dark skies uh, i think that's my favorite album song yeah, right? on the album yeah uh, Dark
3: as I wish you'd come my way again Dark as I wish you'd come my way again oh, Dark as I think that I understand Dark as I think that I understand.
2: And the way "Silent Mind" kind of just kind of transforms at the end—it's yeah, yeah. that is really cool.
0: That was a throwaway song, man. Really? Yeah, like that was like a. I had just gone to like a, you know, and when you're in, and when you're in healthcare, you have to take these educational credits to keep up with your your licensing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I went to this uh, mindfulness course for a week, and, you know, learning meditation and breathing and stuff like that. And I came home and I was just kind of warming up to do some other work, and I noodled this tune out and this little thing on the keyboard out and, and just kind of was having fun. And I was like, this is not at all aligned with the rest of this record. I was like, this is just, you know, this is way different. <laughs> right? And I just get, you know, so I did my, a bunch of stuff on that, did my piece and I sent it to Drew. I said, let's just have fun with us. Just do whatever the hell you want to do. You know? Awesome. Um, yeah, that, so that one turned out to be pretty cool. Ah,
2: I like that one a lot. And yeah, on am high low and on the new album theater. I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear some maybe musical theater influence. Sounds like "Lie to Me," maybe you know tracks like that. They sound they have a feel of something you might hear on like a, a Broadway musical kind of a of a piece.
0: I can get I can get that from "Lie to Me." Uh, that's a piece that Amanda wrote. And she does some really she has just you know, she had um a few CDs she put out um on What About music, which was a record label before and now it's more a distributing. Company. Okay. She did a couple of great records and she uh, um she does music music that I described as like whimsically serious carousel pop. Oh um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it in an interview for our release for High Low and that's the only thing I could really come up with. It's like it's really quite unique and it is um, it does have some theatrical elements, and I think that comes from her time traveling with, you know, uh, kind of gypsy klezmer bands and um, and the jazz and the, like um, and some. Of, she did a lot of um, she's like bread puppet and some circuses in the states. So she has a lot of influences that come into play with her writing.
2: A lot of unusual influences. It sounds like.
0: Yeah. 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 All
2: right, so the new album is coming out theater, and I, from the way it sounds, I mean the pandemic really didn't change how you guys create music at all. No. so
0: <laughs> you just, It was business as usual for you guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Except you might notice a little bit more. Um, I was thinking about this before you called about the comparison between the two and they're kind of pretty, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think they're pretty different in flavor. I would agree. Um, yeah. I think the new one's a bit, it uh, definitely doesn't feel as light. It's definitely more kind of straightforward. A little bit, more, a little bit more rock. oriented, a little bit kind of darker and kind of angsty of just about what's going on. I think.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of the uh, guitar playing is a little more experimental, or maybe maybe less structured is is a word, uh, the the way to to say it. Like some of the uh, the solos. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the name. The name is the song I'm thinking about. Um,
0: you're probably thinking about. My guess is you're probably thinking about track three, which is. I'm guys uh, falling.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, it's the, the, uh, the it's God, I'm trying to think of the way the way the way to describe it. The uh, the first album sounds a little more, um, f- I guess, full structured and maybe a little yeah. more tight on the stru- on the song structures. This one sounds like you're you're just kind of letting loose a little bit more. Not like yeah. just going out all out free form jazz or anything like that. But, you know, having a little m- more fun with solos and, and guitar pieces.
0: I'd say this in truth to, for sure the first one was definitely uh the songs seem to have a, there, there's more kind of nuances and movements to the to the earlier songs they are more folk based and uh and I think with the folk at least the way that i we, I was writing and, and collaborating with my sister and drew the way we produced it, I think that allowed for some of that clarity that you're talking to with the, the instrumentation that we did with the first record yeah, whereas the second one is a bit more kind of it's still full but it's um, maybe a bit more again I I don't know what else to say but maybe a bit more traditional kind of rock and that has some guitar some electric guitar some distortion it's things kind of get it's maybe more thematic in sound rather than nuanced but um,
2: Uh, yeah yeah I like the way you said that that makes that that, I think that's exactly what I was trying to get across in my in eloquent podcast way (laughs) but the, the funny thing is I mean even the, the the louder songs are still kind of quiet and organic. Everything sounds yep. really organic, which is, uh, it's nice. You don't overload the songs with stuff that doesn't need to be there. Um, the way I was actually thinking about it was, it's kind of like a David Gilmour style oh. or quality. Oh, cool. Where, yeah, where, where you let the music breathe. You know, you don't yeah. try to, to overpower the song with all kinds of electric guitar, or even like being all shouty and screaming with vocals and you know there's no it's all you're getting your point across but you're doing it as and, and letting the song be the the boss really
0: yeah 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 I like that I wish I could scream and I've been trying to learn how to scream <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna do a,
2: a metal album
0: I, I have a, a couple friends who are like man you just gotta you just gotta freaking let go man and, and scream for me and he's like I hear that I hear that <laughs> like, hey, I don't have it man it's
2: gonna happen one of these days
0: but it's funny <laughs> yeah
2: Even even the the angrier for I guess that's the only word I can think of, the the angrier songs on it, the like uh, talking heads and and waiting for life, they're still pretty chill.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've got something to say. I'm not feeling good.
2: Don't tell me it'll be okay, okay. But you can tell there there's something behind it the the lyrics are are you're not happy but uh, <laughs> but but the songs they're probably the most chill angry songs I've ever heard
0: yeah, I dig that you know. <laughs> why, why let the anger get the best of you you know yeah, what I mean
2: gotta control it
0: yeah just talk about your anger yeah <laughs> quietly
2: see that's <laughs> the that's the, the psychiatric training coming in
0: I guess it's a, yeah
2: it's a, and and the other thing that I noticed with the album uh, theater it's it's more lush there's strings in it Um yeah. <clears throat> and you know a little more like you had mentioned of uh, fuzzed out guitar and all yeah so it was was that the way you wanted to start from the beginning beginning or were you like just let's just put some strings here or was that something that i got
0: uh, so i gotta say with with high low it was really a conversation with my sister about family love and loss and grief and rebirth you know we had lost our stepfather to cancer oh wow um i had one you know i just started having children and so a lot of our friends were starting to have children so there's a lot of like you know, a lot of sentimental, uh, aspects of that record that made it, that, that made it different. It spoke to to us differently. It came out differently and it was, it took longer for us to kind of work all that stuff out. There was no rush. Like I said, it's just conversation. And we were just, we were moving at our own pace. And this one was yeah. like, this was like, and, I, and I'm not going to get, you know, overtly, at least what I do. I won't be too long when I'm getting overtly political, but, this one was like a visceral uh, regurgitation of frustration and anger over like the political situation, and then on top of that, then you had the pandemic. Yeah. And so this album was written in like a fraction of the time of the first record, so there was no real thought; it was just a necessity.
2: Is that why? Maybe I hear a little less of Amanda on this one as opposed to High Low.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, she transitioned careers. So she just started when I just started recording the new songs. she had just transitioned into a role as a, um, a teacher. Oh, wow. Uh, and she never done it before. She was teaching. So she is teaching English and Spanish. And so she, she was really trying to grapple with time management and lesson planning and, um, and it wasn't the classroom structured teaching. She was like teaching in people's homes and going all over Barcelona. Oh, so wow. it was, she was like, she had like 12, 14 hour days. Um, Oof. so she just wasn't available like she was. And, you know, it's just the way it was. She had to transition careers and she had to, she had to do it. And I, I had no choice but to make the record. It just wasn't stopping, you know? Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that's. That's pretty much why you hear a lot less of her on there. Um, Okay.
2: At what point, and I guess this is going back to the first album, at what point did you decide this is going to be just a project between me and my sister to, let's release this?
0: Uh, When I realized I wasn't embarrassed by it.
2: Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good starting point.
0: (laughs) I mean, really, I mean, that's when it started hitting me. I was like, like... I was 30 some odd years thirties. I don't know. Well, I was in my late thirties, 36 or 37 when we were writing that one. And it's probably, you know, when I was writing music earlier in my twenties, I think I was being a bit more dishonest and there's some, some contrived writing going on. Your, your intentions were different, different. Um, I was writing for a different reason. Okay. Um, I was writing because I was in a band and I was, uh, naive and trying to, create an image rather than let myself be honest with what the image is that I am. Yeah. So the writing, the writing is definitely a lot more honest and I mean, it's intentional but but you know, it's, uh, this, there was no, there's no fluff. This is just, it was just, like I said, she and I were just doing this close behind closed doors for us. So that, that worked. Um, I was, you know, really surprised at how much it came through and, yeah. You know, for us, it was cathartic, and we were kind of processing loss and and change. And um, but once we started hearing the tunes, and just we were like, you know, this isn't; these aren't embarrassing. They're actually pretty good. <laughs> um, and then all the meaning behind them for for me personally, and for her, I'm sure. Um, a couple of them are really, really sentimental, and really difficult to write and hear sometimes. About you know the loss of my stepfather, and yeah, we're like, you know, if we're, people can relate to this. We you know, like we just were like, people need to have you know, they need to listen to it. We want to get ears on this. It wasn't like, let's sell records. I mean, I have a job. She, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I do fine. You know, i um, yeah. not worried about that. Before I was worried about it. Now I'm not. Yeah. It was really just like, <laughs> I, I just want people to hear it because it meant so much to us. And I wanted to have that place in other people's lives. So, yeah.
2: So how did the second album come about? Was it similar? You just wanted to make more songs with her? Or was there something like, hey, we got a we got some good response to this. Let's keep it going. It's a
0: combination. I think okay. I work in psychiatry. So that's a really, for me, that's a difficult, that can be pretty emotionally taxing. Oh, sure. And I wasn't playing, you know, I had my first kid and, uh, she was born in 20. Uh, sorry I have long, I have long winded answers, but she was born in 2012, <laughs> <That's> 2013. <funny. laughs> she was born in 2013. um, and then I got my, my degree for psychiatric nurse practice to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner at 15, started my practice and I had uh, my second kid a month into my practice. And I've just been flat out in psychiatry and, um, raising kids. And it's just been, it's been a whirlwind. And then, so I, I just, I didn't do it for a while because I didn't have the time, frankly. And I realized that I was suffering as a result, especially when I got into psychiatry, you need to have, and this is what I tell my patients, you need to have a creative outlet of some sort. I don't care what it is colored by numbers. I don't care. You got to do something to take your mind off stuff. And I wasn't doing that. And when, when I realized that it was, you know, that I wasn't doing it and for me it's music. And then we did high, low. And I was like, this is pretty, you know, pretty decent. I was like, I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't a choice. Like I have to keep on doing this cause it's, it's, it's cathartic. It's meditation. It's, you know, it's therapy. You know, that question about how do you go from music to, to psychiatry? I mean, it's the same thing. It really is. I mean, music is—you know—it's it's a healing form. You know, it's a—it's a healing form, right? For in psychiatric like hospitals, we had music therapy. They come in, and the, the power of music on the soul is incredible. It
2: really is. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really thrilled with both albums, and uh, yeah. like you said, the difference in the second album is—it's funny because it's—it definitely feels like. A growth and not something that's completely separate from the first album. Good. So I, I like the connection between the two. It's really refreshing to hear because it's not the same old power chords and screaming vocals and yelling and <laughs> angst and and all that. Even in the angrier parts it's, like you said, more uh, thoughtful anger, more controlled. I don't want to say anger because it's, I mean, that, that's really the wrong word, but
0: you're able to there's a lot of there's a lot of expressed disappointment and frustration
2: okay yeah yeah, there you go and and (laughs) and you're able to it's funny because it 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 sounds like you're able to deal with it so do any of your any of your uh experiences at work and not i'm not saying you know patience or anything like that but yeah anything from work ever make its way into the music absolutely oh wow yeah
0: that's fast yeah um yeah (laughs) I'll give you the clearest example is, um, something's dying here. I don't know if it's my headphones. (laughs)
3: Um,
0: I think the clearest example would be switch my earbuds out. That's I'm doing track numbers. I forget the name of it. Um, the illusory fair. Oh yeah. Um, you still have me?
2: Yes. Which illusory fair really cool video, by the way.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing the uh, the woman, the uh, woman that did that video is doing um, uh, another video for us for theater that's going to be out this month. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So Stacy Holder, she does some really great work.
2: That was it's um, really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very cool. But so the Illusory Affair is um, was a combination of both having young kids and then have working in psychiatry. The, if you listen to the lyrics. That's definitely pulled from patients of mine that will struggle with um, psychosis. Okay. Um, and sometimes they struggle with uh, with identifying if they're having active, psych- you know, psychotic symptoms. If they're having visual hallucinations or auditory hallucinations, or if they're uh-huh. or if they're you know just illusions, you know, from shadows and kind of you know typical anxiety, maybe at nighttime, et cetera. So it's okay. just kind of that that loss of clarity as to whether or not you're falling into. You know, more acute state versus you're okay and then the sun will come up and you can check yourself and you, you'll be all right so that's definite reflection of work oh wow
2: the album man and it's one that i'm going to be sharing with a bunch of people because i know a lot of people who would really really like the sound of it and like i said you know the the, the engineering i mean for god's sakes drew does an incredible job engineering these the, both albums it's just clear everything is just clear this is the only descriptor i can use be the just the clarity of everything just is what drew me in in the first place so it's,
0: yeah yeah it's yeah. amazing for sure hats off to uh yeah, drew and for those that are listening it's true skinner it's skinner sound um got to give him a plug um, oh, yeah but we certainly uh we did ex- you know an extensive amount of notes on on levels and and edits and we did we, you know we took our time on it uh yeah, it meant a lot to to all of us so yeah but he'll appreciate that compliment and we and so do so do i you are know you, we did we,
2: are you using any that? uh uh gear in particular is is there a do you have a set rig that you like to use and do you i mean i know with the pandemic it's not possible and and with your sister being in barcelona and you being here in the u.s do you guys ever get a chance to do anything together in a in, in a live type of way like a, a zoom call yeah. uh
0: no i mean well we do facetime um or no, not Facetime. But we use WhatsApp. Generally speaking, well, I mean they're owned by the same company, the same damn thing. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, We did. Uh, we did come together and do a release uh, show. Drew didn't come out. And we got a. We, we the release was down in uh, outside of Philadelphia. Um, okay. And so I actually, that's my old stomping ground. I, I reached out to who's the players down there now, and we hired some some players and Amanda and I did our stuff and they backed us up and and that was great. Um, and then I've been doing, I've been doing some, um, solo shows where I just get some loop pedals and, um, and just put the songs out, just do a a solo set. Oh, that's, but we, you know, we, we released it in August of 19. And then, uh, my last show was November. The last show I did was in November of 19 and then boom, you know, so, yeah. yeah. So we haven't, I haven't gotten, you know, I did, yeah, we did a f- couple, yeah, a few shows after we released and then the world shut down. Yeah. Uh, so,
2: well, I'm hoping things start to open up at some point here. I would, I don't know. Are, are you planning on playing anything besides local, local shows or are
0: I'd you like hoping to. to? Yeah, I'd like to. Um, I love playing out live and it's been a while since, you know, we've done, like I said, we did a few shows in 19. There's nothing like playing live and, um, and the songs translate pretty live. So I I certainly like to yeah I'd, I like I said I, I mean, as you know I'm working as a professional at a hospital it's hard to get enough time to do like a proper tour yeah but
2: it's not like being a bartender where you can say hey yeah uh, I'm gonna I'm going on tour I'll be back in a month and they like, oh yeah I mean, sure my, whatever
0: <laughs> I can tell you, my hospitals I mean they're pretty cool uh, yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in Southern Vermont where uh, you know we're at a real small critical access hospital with a a good crew and everybody's pretty supportive. They, you know, they all, you know, they all are, you know, really excited about the release. They did a write up for it, you know, and oh, that's uh, awesome. All, you know, everybody, everybody knows what's going on. So they'd be supportive if I was like, I need to take a little bit of time. So I mean, I'd, I'd like to do, I like to find a way to do. You know, if I had a two week, you know, ten day or a fourteen run, fourteen day run here, and then do another one here. You know, kind of sporadically set them up. Yeah, so that would be the goal. Yeah,
2: that would be awesome. Well, where can people follow you to to find out more about the albums?
0: Uh, this is where you, you're going to get me. At. This is. <laughs> 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 do you know? <laughs> uh,
2: I'm assuming it's a it's Benjamin Jane of some sort. No, I actually do. <laughs> Why don't you tell us where you can find it? Okay, let me uh, pull up my email here.
0: Oh shit! I'm dude. guessing Howard gave you all that stuff, right? Yeah, he did. Now I'm trying to well, find. You can, th- you can find this. We do have a website. It's BenjaminJane.com. And we'll just um, we'll
2: say that most of all of your links are probably on there.
0: They are on there. Um, and then and that's J A Y N E, right? J A Y N E. Yep. And then on Twitter, it's uh, at Ben Jane Music, and uh, Instagram. jeez what's that one? I think that's. To, uh, you might have that link. Benjamin Jane Music. Benjamin Jane Music. Yep. So Twitter or Instagrams at Benjamin Jane Music. And Twitter is at Ben Jane Music. Websites Benjamin Jane uh, there is a Facebook one there, too, right? Yes. And you, love, you love how good I am at
2: advertising? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm, yeah, I'm not getting as many downloads as I want, too. Uh, yeah, it's Facebook slash Benjamin Jane Music, capital B, capital J, capital M.
0: Pretty easy. I don't know yep. if that
2: makes any difference anymore. Do, do capitals make differences anymore? Uh, I don't know. I, I know they used to. I don't know. I'm 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 in like my mid to late forties at this point. I I I, I've accepted the fact that I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. (laughs) I've made peace with that. I have a a 16 year old, a 17 year old, and an 18 year old. They they know everything. I don't know anything.
0: Well, you know that's one of the things that you know artists are generally. I mean, maybe it's changing nowadays, but you know they're generally not. They're usually busy making music and then and playing. So I, I, I need to work on that deficit of, of not, <laughs> my, not minding, promoting that's, myself to people.
2: <laughs> that's why you get PR folks.
0: Right. Guys Absolutely. like Howard Wolfing. Right. Absolutely.
2: That's, I think that's the first time I've ever actually said his full name on a podcast. So you're welcome, Howard. <laughs> Love that guy. But I almost, I always, it's funny because in half these things, I'm like, yeah, Howard sent me this. And, and nobody listening knows who the hell Howard is.
0: He's uh he's a heavy hitter, that's he, for sure.
2: Yeah, I found out some really cool stuff about Howard, so <laughs> very cool.
0: Very chill, very chill guy. I really appreciate him. Yep.
2: He yeah, he's and he's hooked me up with some awesome people like you. Tobias Nathaniel from Red Step and uh, Blackheart Procession, Michael Girard from Swans. You know, he's got yeah, me awesome folks.
0: So. Well, that's how I got hooked up with Howard, actually, was through Swans.
2: Really? Oh, okay, so you, now you got to tell me that, because I'm a latecomer to Swans. I remember when White Light from the Mouth of Infinity came out, and it frightened the god it scared me to death it was yeah. just so intense and i'm just like ah i don't know if this is for me because i was in college it was like 91 oh and, and then i never got into them until howard said hey um here's the news i'm gonna send you the the new the promo of the new swans album michael might be interested in doing some uh some promotion in a few months i'll let you know i'm like okay so i listened to it i'm like this is amazing, and then I started going back and listening, and I've become an enormous fan of Swans.
0: Yeah, I mean, they—I wasn't too aware of them either, and um, I mean, they've—they've they've moved through so many different iterations. Oh, yeah. um, Got to give them that props for that, yeah, um, for sure. But I—I uh, I somehow became acquaintances with Tor Harris. Oh wow! And um, I don't remember how. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the
2: best stories. Yeah. I don't know how I met this guy.
0: I really don't know how, but uh, but he ended up actually uh, another after I met him, or you know online, and we started chatting a little bit. Uh, I realized that he was actually he was friends with um, there's a band I know called Florida, and um, the lead singer Dan Rainier, is friends with one of Tor Harris's buddies. Uh, so it's just small world, you know. Oh wow, yeah. Um, so I mean, we're not you know Tor and I are not we're not you know close friends but we certainly have run into each other this year and have chatted a bit he's been helpful and and, uh, uh, and he turned me on to Howard so oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. that is awesome
2: yeah. well man look I've kept you for a while thank you so much for tell, talking to me about the album about how music and psychiatry that's, that's, that's always fascinating to me
0: yeah for sure I appreciate you having me on man oh, uh, my I pleasure. enjoyed it
1: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now i got to borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by
0: bundling your home at auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.